This is Danielle Smith. This is Tammy Peterson. This is Alex Craner. This is Curtis Stone. This is Tom Luongo, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. How's everybody doing uh, this week? Today's episode brought to you by Silver Gold Bull, North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers in Calgary, Las Vegas. They ensure fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep and offer a diverse set of services including buyback, wholesale, registered savings, RA accounts, RRSP and TFSA, as well as storage and refining solutions. You can get in touch with them, uh, everything down in the show notes, or you can just, uh, you know, if you're looking to get a little silver and gold, go to silvergoldbull.ca. You can order it right from your couch, watching the game, listening to this podcast, and uh, delivers right to your house. Pretty slick, nice and easy, and uh, born, or born, <laughs> grew out of uh, Alberta. They're, they're an Alberta-based company. They started in Rocky Mountain House, so silvergoldbull.com. C-A. Clay Smiley, team over at Profit River. Uh, Clay was just on episode 557. You know, he started as a, a, a teacher and then built his company out of his basement garage, and eventually it's turned into what it is now, which is Profit River on the west side of Lloydminster. You stop into that showroom, folks, and you're like, holy Dinah. That's right. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States of, uh, United States of America and pride themselves on making the process as easy for all their customers as humanly possible. You know, you can you can just go to uh, ProfitRiver.com. Uh, they got gift cards. They ship anywhere across all of Canada. That means if you're sitting up north, and, or all the way out east, they can get you taken care of. So ProfitRiver.com, they are the major retailer of firearms, optics, accessories, serving all of Canada. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell, they're looking for uh, equipment operators. Farming experience is a bonus. Also looking for laborers, seasonal or full-time. If you're a college student, you know, uh, it's the beginning of the new year, which means, you know, May isn't that far away, is it? And they offer four-month positions where even entry level making twenty grand plus. So that's a pretty solid summer. MitchCorp.ca or uh, give them a call 780-214-4004 to find out more. Windsor Plywood Builders of the Podcast Studio Table for Everything Wood. These are the folks. Um, well, mantles, decks, windows, doors, sheds. Uh, I think deck season is just a uh, you know we have, we've had a pretty mild winter thus far. But I don't know if I'd really call it deck season. I can't. I can't. That's a that's a complete lie. And we're a little ways away from it. But for everything else, would stop into Windsor Plywood today, and uh, and see Carly and the team here in Lloydminster. Um, if you have uh, not given me your name, this is this is essentially the last opportunity. I mean Wednesday, I guess, just before the. The, the draw, but uh, we're drawing for Tucker Carlson tickets Wednesday. We've got five sets of two, so you got uh, multiple different ways you can get entered. One, simple. You're listening to this right now. Text me your name and where you're listening from. You're entered. We're going to draw that Wednesday evening. Um, two, Substack. Go over to Substack. Subscribe to Substack and then pledge. Of the pledges, pledging pledging just means that uh, when we turn this thing on eventually and put things behind a paywall, you're going to start paying. Right now, it costs you nothing. It's just it's just a pledge, and the pledges are getting three sets of the five drawn for them. Okay, one on here, nice and easy. Text me where you're listening, your name. Two, subscribe and pledge on Substack. Now you got a chance at three sets there. Social media, there's a post up on Instagram. Uh, all you got to do is uh, like, follow the page. Uh, like the post, follow the page, and 
tag who you're going to take with you. There, there's there's a bunch of different ways to get entered for Tucker Carlson tickets January 24th. That's Wednesday evening in Edmonton at Rogers Place. Pretty cool. Nice and easy for all you lovely folks. Okay, let's get on to that tale of the tape. He's an evidence-based opinion journalist. He goes incognito wearing a hat and sunglasses and goes by the alias John Cullen. I'm talking about John Cullen. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman podcast today. I'm joined by John Cullen. So it has been it has been a little while, sir. Um, and it's funny. I've been waiting to have you back on. I've been like, oh, when do you bring John back on? Do you just bring him back on right away? And I've uh, been following you along on Twitter and a whole bunch of other things. And um, finally, uh, you know, counting down the top 25 episodes of uh, 2023, you were smack in the middle of it. I'm like, oh, I think it's about time I, I reached out to John and and brought him back on. So why not start the new year off with John? So thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. How many shows did you do last year? Um, 250 roughly. Man, you're busy. That, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, well I, in a, in a world that seems to be getting crazier by the day, I just try and uh, keep myself a little bit sane with talking to different people and trying to make some sense of it. And, uh, some days that works, some days I'm, I'm a little more confused than when I walked into this thing. So, um, I'm, I'm curious what you're, what we're going to talk about today. You know, like I sat and I listened back to the first, uh, uh, conversation we had and, you know, at the end of it, I, I came to the same, it's funny when you walk through a conversation and you listen, sometimes I listen to a conversation, um, you know, obviously the first time you're in it, the second time you're sitting there listening to it all play out. And, uh, I came to the same conclusion listening to it both times, uh, the first time in person. And then the second time sitting, uh, from afar is like, Oh, so, and I, I don't know if this is where you're still at John or if things have changed, but when I listened to it back to myself, I'm like, so they were willing to put the entire world on notice to get the election, um, to go the right way in 2020. Am I wrong on that? Or have you, uh, have you added things into it? Well, I've added, uh, turns out I was wrong about a bunch of stuff and you won't hear that from a bunch of people. Uh, it doesn't seem that there's a whole large group that says, yeah, I was wrong about this and I was wrong about that. I'm going to tell you and your audience what I was wrong about on the show. And it turns out it's kind of exciting. <clears throat> I used to work for Larry Ellison at Oracle and uh, one of the video clips I have of him, he says, you know, if I'm wrong, I want to, you know, I want to find out I'm wrong, right? If you've got some evidence that says, no, 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 it's not that, it's this, right? I want to know about that. Like, you show me, what do you got, right? Show me what you got. I want to see it. I want to know if I was wrong. And there's this, this method. Well, before we get too much into it, there's probably people who are watching or listening who have no idea who I am and didn't hear the first thing that we did. So we should probably introduce me a little bit and explain why I'm in the getup. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey folks, this is John Cullen. Um, uh, while, before you get to that, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna, I should have had this handy. I literally listened to it today. John Cullen, episode 429. If people want to go back and listen to the first time we chatted, otherwise John, uh, yeah, by all means, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, probably the first thing you need to know is why, why is he in a hat and glasses? Why is he incognito? 
And that's because before this whole COVID thing, I started in uh, investigative journalism and I was looking into the Las Vegas shooting. And it turned out what I discovered was that Al Qaeda is somewhat already in America. And they're kind of the guys who, um, um, you know, do the bad things at the military bases. We had shootings at military bases and stuff. So they're kind of entrenched within the society. And uh, so that's why I'm incognito, is to avoid getting my eyes stabbed out or something like that, you know, at, uh, at the local Home Depot. I really don't want to be recognized because I've named names. And the people, for example, I talk about the killing of Jamal Khashoggi and what was really behind that. And I name the names of the people <clears throat> who were really behind the Las Vegas shooting. And these are people who are ruthless. Like, these are killers. And so they will, you know, gladly kill me. Like, uh, killing me is sport, right? So I'm, I'm trying to avoid that outcome for as long as possible. And one of the ways I do it, the simple way, is to try and not be recognized in public. So if you guys see me in public, I look a lot more like Cara Delevingne when I'm at Home Depot than what you see here. So, so well, with, uh, with, with all the, yeah. with all the technology these days, you could just wear a, a mask and then nobody would even have any clue. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, so again, I'm, I'm taking just basic steps so that people don't walk up to me and say, Oh, you're, you're John Cullen. Right. Cause I don't want to have to draw my weapon. Right. I don't want to have to do that. So, all right. So that, that's the background of the incognito. It has to do with the Las Vegas shooting. That's where I started all my investigative journalism. And then when the COVID pandemic started, people started to see this map on TV. And everybody was looking at this map of COVID. And it turns out that early in my career, I worked at Oracle. And one of the first projects I was the head of was the building of that mapping system that they were using at Johns Hopkins. So when I saw the Johns Hopkins map of COVID... I was, I was like laughing. I was like, oh my God, that, that's, that's one of the first systems I ever built. <clears throat> so I sat down and I, in 10 seconds, I said, I never heard of Wuhan. Right? I've been to China. Have you ever been to China? Have you been to Hong Kong, Shanghai? Can't say I've been to China. Dude, Hong Kong is unbelievable. It's one of the most beautiful cities you're ever going to see. Just stunning. And I've not been to Shanghai, but I went to another city called Zhengzhou where they make the iPhones. So I've traveled through China. I have a Chinese visa. I never heard of Wuhan. Never heard of the place. So when they told me there was this outbreak in Wuhan and I got, I sit down with the Johns Hopkins map, <clears throat> what do you think I clicked on? Well, was, on wasn't, wasn't Wuhan, right? I never even heard. I didn't even know where to look for <laughs> Wuhan. Right? Is it East China, West China? I don't know where Wuhan is. Never heard of the place. You know, that's because I'm a dummy, right? How many cities in China do I know? Not that many. So I clicked on Hong Kong. And there's four dead. I'm like, what? I thought, I thought this devastating China. I thought China's on fire. So then I go and I click on Shanghai. It was like seven. The net of it is in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Beijing. There weren't 10 people dead, but the map is all red. And I'm like, well, who the hell built this thing? Who put this together? 
Meaning it, it, I built the system with a team of guys at Oracle and whoever configured it made everything red. So then I started looking around the region and I said, okay, well, what countries border China? We should be looking at a pandemic, right? A pandemic spreads, right? It's global. That's the whole idea. So it should be in Vietnam, right? Oh, nobody dead in Vietnam. So why is Vietnam red? And that's how I got involved in the COVID thing was because of the map. And I start realizing uh, somebody wants the public to panic here. This is bizarre. You got this red, 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 red map. Nobody dead in Vietnam. There's nobody dead in the Laos. There's nobody dead in Cambodia. What the hell? Why is it all red? That's not how you do it. That's not how you're supposed to set it up. Who configured this? I think it was six months later or something. We find out that the person who configures it is a Chinese national named En Shengdong on an educational visa at Johns Hopkins. So figure out whatever you will from that. So I get involved in this whole Chinese uh, virus, Wuhan, Wuhan Institute of Virology thing. And I fell for it hook, line and sinker like most people did. And as I started to investigate it further, I realized that this is one of the biggest cover-ups in the history of the CIA. And it is so complex, it's stunning. And so um, that's a little bit of the background for those of you who didn't get to hear the first interview. What we've discovered since you and I talked the first time um, is that I was wrong. And there's this method that we used throughout my career that the guys at McKinsey kind of documented. In fact, I think there's a book called The McKinsey Method. And this method is where you start with a straw man hypothesis, right? And you kind of put that hypothesis up on the whiteboard and you work around that hypothesis until there's a material change to it. And the idea is that's okay. In other words, if your fundamental straw man hypothesis is wrong and you find out, you know, it wasn't this, it was that way, it's not a bat, it's a raccoon dog, right? It's not a, it's not a raccoon dog, it was a pangolin, right? So you start with the straw man. And so the straw man might be it was a bat, straw man might be it was a bat, kissed a pangolin, who the hell, right? Whatever it is. And then you find something along the journey. And you're like, oh my God, what the hell is this? What the hell is a raccoon dog doing in the pangolin? And this changes everything. And so when things like that happen, there's sort of a, a class of people who cling to their original theories and hypotheses. And then there's people like me that don't really have a whole lot of ego because I don't really exist. So to me, it's just, it's like, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't care if it's A, B, C, or D, right? I don't care what the hell it is. And so it, what So what then did you get wrong along the way, John? Because you had uh, compelling evidence of uh, um, influenza disappearing, why that was all happening, um, where that was leading to. So when what's the new piece of evidence that comes in that you go, oh. Oh, all right, so... In order to get to the new piece of evidence, 
a couple things had to happen. And oftentimes, you know, just go back to the beginning, go back to the beginning, go back to basics. And so I went back to the original announcements from the who. And some people think, uh, you'll see a lot of stuff on Twitter where uh, people say, uh, John Cullen believes the who. It's like, no, you dummies. I've only got 220 characters or 240 characters to work with. I don't have a blue check mark because I don't use credit cards. So I'm restricted to the, you know, the original amount of characters, 240 characters. I'm auditing the who. I'm saying the who said this. And when the who said this, this was the data that the who said was kind of what was driving their decisions. That's called auditing the who, not believing the who. There's a guy named Harry Markopoulos. He's the guy who audited Bernie Madoff. He didn't believe Bernie Madoff's numbers. He audited them. But you can't just say Bernie Madoff is a con artist. Bernie Madoff, is it's all a scam unless you audit the numbers. Somebody's got to do the work. You don't just get to make the claim and then you know, go have a beer. Somebody's got to do the work. Harry Markopoulos is the guy who audited Bernie Madoff and demonstrated that it was a house of cards. It was not, there was nothing there. That's what I'm doing with the who. So when I look at March 11th, the day that Tedros declares global pandemic, there's not 10 people dead in Russia. There's not 10 dead in New York. There's not 10 dead in California. That doesn't mean I believe the WHO. It means that's the data they've published. That's the data Johns Hopkins is publishing. So I'm looking at Tedros and going, according to your data, this is the case. So what the hell are you declaring a global pandemic for? It's not that I believe the WHO. I'm holding them to the things that they've said over time. And what we go back to is this clip. Can I play an audio clip for the audience from The Who? Is that okay? Can I do that? Yeah, totally, totally, yep. All right, so this is an audio clip um, from The Who. And what I think the gentleman speaks with a Swiss accent, so it sounds German, but he's Swiss, and because they're in Geneva. And what he's going to tell you is on January 9th of 2020, they identified SARS-CoV-2 as a novel thing, something we haven't seen before, okay? In patient with pneumonia in Wuhan. And that happens on January 9th. Two days later, January 11th, one guy has died. He actually dies on the 10th, but they reported on the 11th. And on January 11th, we get the genetic sequence from the Chinese. Okay? So I'm going to play this clip of the guy from the WHO telling you what I just said. January 9th, they identify SARS-CoV-2. Two days later, we've got one guy dead, 41 cases, 41 cases, one guy dead, and... China has provided the WHO 
with the genetic sequence. So let's listen to this and then we'll talk about it. On January 9, Chinese authorities made a preliminary determination of a new coronavirus identified in a hospitalized person with pneumonia in Wuhan. Two days later, Chinese authorities uh, issued additional information updating case numbers to 41 from initially 59 and reporting one death. Chinese authorities also shared the complete genomic sequence with WHO and with the public. Okay. 41 cases, one guy's dead, and we've got the gene sequence. So what the hell's China lying about? What's Brad Wenstrup carrying on about with the COVID Select Committee? What's Comer carrying on about China, 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 China was lying? They weren't forthright. You got one guy dead. 41 cases of pneumonia in a city I've never heard of? Huh? Dude, I went to a high school that had over 2,000 kids. 41 kids out sick during flu season is not is nothing. You don't think there were 41 kids out sick in a high school with 2,000 kids during flu season? <clears throat> You're telling me that there were 41 cases of pneumonia in bum something China, Wu Scan, Wu Nan, Wu Hu, Hu Ha, never heard of the place ever in my life, right? And I'm an old guy, never heard of it. And I've been to China. I've been to Zhengzhou. I've been to Hong Kong. Never heard, heard of Wuhan. It's a big ass city. 10 million people live. It's bigger than New York. Never heard of it. And there's 41 cases of pneumonia? Who? Sean, were their eyes falling out? Was blood pouring out of their ears? What, what was it about this pneumonia? That all of a sudden, Peter Daszak and the Who and everybody, do a mama, ho, a ho. Peter Daszak is putting out a tweet on December 30th about these cases. And dude, there's nobody dead. If you told me, bro, I, I, I hear that up in Saskatchewan, 38 people have pneumonia. I'd say, yeah. Uh, you know, where? Up by the tar fields? I'm surprised it's not 138 people. I'm surprised not 438 people up there. It's hell up there. It's ruthless, right? It's dark. You're telling me there's 40, ca 40 cases of pneumonia in Wuhan, China? And Peter Daszak is sending out tweets about it? Nobody's dead, bro. Nobody's dead. Wake me up when you got... I don't know, a couple hundred dead? And by the time you got one guy dead, we've already got the genetic sequence for the thing and we're distributing this around the world and we're going to start making a vaccine. You know, one guy dead. It, forgive me, you know, I bring a New York attitude to this, which is sort of like, who gives a shit? You got one guy dead in China from pneumonia? Did his eyes fall out? Did his tongue? What was it about this pneumonia that got Peter Daszak's attention when no one had died yet? Okay, so January 11th, we've got one guy dead. 
sounds pretty horrifying, right? 41 cases of pneumonia, one guy's dead. And by the way, the guy who died was in his 60s, had uh, an abdominal tumor and liver disease. That's the first guy who dies. All right. So we start digging into this a little bit. And the reason it's kind of weird is because this happens on January 11th. And the thing that gets really kind of awkward and uncomfortable is that Ivanka Trump and Mike Pence, the former vice president of the United States and the former president's daughter, Ivanka's the daughter, Mike Pence is the vice president, both tweeted out on the same day in November of 2020 that the president had signed an agreement with Moderna for vaccines on January 13th. But on January 13th, there's still only one guy dead in the world from COVID, and it's the guy with the stomach tumor. So why you say that? Say, say that. Say that date sequence again. You okay. said in November of 2020, they tweet out that what? So after it's weird because it was after the election, and it's kind of like, well, honey, why are you sending this out after the election? You should have done this before. Ivanka Trump and Mike Pence on the same day send out a tweet saying. President Trump signed the Moderna contract back in January, people. And she she gives the date and Mike Pence gives the date. And the date is January 13th. So both of them are bragging, confirming, right, validating that January 13th, President Trump signed an agreement with Moderna. But there's only one guy dead with COVID, honey. So what the hell are you talking about? Why is he signing a contract with Moderna if we don't have two people dead yet? And the first guy's dead. He's got a stomach tumor and liver disease. Uh, so we start digging into this further. Well, the second guy dies January 15th. All right. So Peter Daszak is tweeting about it December 30th that, ooh, we got this mysterious mysterious uh, pneumonia. We can't imagine what's causing this. And by January 15th, now we have two people dead. Now, from January 1st to January 15th, in the same time frame that we had the two people die, right? So Peter Daszak sends out the tweet December 30th. January 15th, person number two dies in Wuhan. In that same two-week period, in the United States, 8,100 people die from influenza in two weeks. Two guys die in China. Okay. Now, does that make me racist? Does that make me racist? If I tell you that 8,100 Americans died of influenza and two people died in China of COVID, which is bigger? America. America, right? This is America. We win. We have 8,100 dead in two weeks. China has two dead in two weeks. But all the attention seems to be on Wuhan. That's kind of weird. The hell's going on here? Why is everybody worried about Wuhan? You got two dead guys in China? Forgive me. I still don't really give a shit. You've got two dead in China, okay? January 22nd, three weeks after Peter Daszak's first tweet. Okay, you ready? You sitting down? You're sitting down, right? You're sitting down? Ready? You know how many dead in China now? 
Nine. We now have nine dead Chinese people. And you know what we found in those Chinese people that we were doing all the blood tests and stuff on that Peter Daszak was so worried about? You know what we found in their blood? Influenza. And you know how much influenza we found in their blood? Four times more than COVID. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You see, if you go looking for HPV, you might miss HIV, right? If you go looking for zoster virus, you might miss polio virus. If you go looking for COVID, you might miss influenza. And if it's a strain that nobody's really looking for, oh, you're definitely going to miss it. So how was I wrong? We talked about the disappearance of influenza. And a lot of people have been trying to explain it. Right? You got Viva Fry, right? David Fry, whatever else his name is. Uh, you got Martin Neal's trying to explain it. You got Doc Malik with his podcast trying to figure it out. Professor Fenton trying to figure it out. I'm the one that wrote the white paper, right? I'm the one that recognized that influenza disappeared from Earth. In, by April 15th of 2020, it disappeared from 100 countries. And one of the funny things on Twitter is people say, they watch these videos that I put up there and they say, no, no, I recognize that influenza disappeared. You're not the only one. It's like, you dummies, what I'm saying is, I recognize that it disappeared from a hundred something countries at the same time. You didn't notice that. You noticed it disappeared from where you are. I noticed that it disappeared from Hungary and Sweden and Uruguay at the same time. Nobody else noticed that. No one else pulled the lens back wide enough and took out a map. Oh, right, the map. Nobody looked at the map and said, wait a second, influenza just disappeared from everywhere at the same time? How the hell does that happen? And so people like Martin Neal and everybody else comes up with their cockamamie answers, even though they're not the ones who wrote the white paper that recognized it in the first place, but they've already got a solution. So everybody's full of shit, and here's what actually happened. The outbreak... <clears throat> was of a strain of influenza that the WHO doesn't track. And so when it pushes out the other strains of influenza, what shows up on the WHO's chart? Nothing. It's like a precious metal that the commodities, the commodities exchange isn't tracking. So when this new pandemic influenza strain becomes the dominant strain, <clears throat> the, the WHO chart goes blank because they don't track this strain. They track H1, they track H2, they track this one and that one, Yamagata, PDM09. They don't track the strain that just caused the pandemic. And so it looks like it disappeared because they don't have a color assigned to it, basically. And now the way that the physicians don't detect it, <clears throat> it's not in the PCR test. I told you this last time. If the strain's not in the PCR test, you're never going to detect it. So whether it's H1N1, 1918, reconstructed pandemic, or 
It's highly pathogenic. You ready? Drum roll, please. H7 and 9. H7 and 9 is the disease that just killed 54 million chickens in America. 54 million chickens, 1.2 million people. It's the same virus. Why were all the chicken farms burning down? Why were all the egg farms burning down? Because it's an avian flu. And it doesn't matter if you cull the chickens. It's in the farm. It's in, it's in the building. If you don't burn the building down, you're just going to keep spreading it. People are just going to keep dying. Where do you see the video I'm working on now? An assemblage of poultry farms on fire. You can almost smell the Kentucky Fried Chicken. You can, it's like you can, they're burning everywhere. Egg farms and poultry farms all over the country, in fact, all over the world, are on fire. 54 million birds died in America from avian influenza. And it turns out it presents identically to the 1918 H1N1 Spanish flu because they both have this unique capability. With COVID, SARS-CoV-2, it binds to your, uh, your lung and nasopharyngeal tissue using something called an ACE2 receptor, right? And so that's what it's looking for. And when it finds that ACE2 receptor, it connects and does its magic, right? And enters the cell. 1918 H1N1 has this unique capability in that it doesn't need, um, I forget it, it's not a protein, it's, um, it's called trypsin. And trypsin, um, I forget exactly what it is, but trypsin is something that's needed for most viruses in order to enter the cell. It's almost, think of it as like a lubricant. And with trypsin, it can now enter through the cell membrane and then do the things it wants to do inside the cell. But it needs, most viruses, most influenza viruses need, and coronaviruses need trypsin to enter the cell. 1918 H1N1 does not need it. And therefore, it doesn't need special receptors. So it can infect your heart. It can infect your nervous system. It can infect your circulatory system, your blood. That's 1918 H1N1. And so this is one of the reasons why that was my straw man. That was the McKinsey method. We put that up on the wall and I said, man, it's hypoxia, cyanosis, blue lips, ground glass hypo uh, opacity. This is textbook blue death. This is textbook 1918 H1N1 until proven otherwise. So there's a research, a couple researchers on Twitter that I just kind of work together with, you know, loosely coupled, don't really know who they are, but just we've connected and we start reviewing the test results of the original 41 patients in Wuhan. And lo and behold, they have this avian flu, H7 and nine. And then you go check the CDC and the CDC says, oh, yeah, no, that's uh, we now consider that BSL-4. And we consider that uh, probably the, the scariest of the influenzas now, H7 and 9. And the reason is <clears throat> it also 
doesn't require trypsin. And so just like 1918 H1N1, it can infect your organs. It can infect your spleen. It can infect your heart. It can infect your nervous system. And, you know, now you got twitches. There's almost no limit to where this thing can go once it's in your body. And that's what makes it so devastating. And the thing that makes it so evil, like evil genius, one of the things we learned from Michael Warby is that our... Uh, immunity is set as children by the first exposure that we have to influenza. So if as a child you were first exposed to H3N2, that's what you're going to be most immune to throughout the rest of your life. As a child, if I was first exposed to uh, H7N2 or something, that's what's going to step. So whatever your first exposed to is going to establish kind of your immunity blueprint. We learned this from Michael Warby. H7N9, nobody was exposed to. The first major outbreak of it was in China in 2016. It spread through Asia, East Asia. Wicked. Something like of the 1,500 cases they identified, a third of them died. I mean, you're talking about a really pathogenic virus. Nasty. 54 million chickens, 1.2 million Americans. Flu didn't disappear. The WHO just doesn't track this strain. So when it becomes the dominant strain and it pushes out PDM09, it pushes out Yamagata, it pushes out all the other strains... What shows up on the Who chart? Nothing. They don't track it. If we were to go check the New York Stock Exchange for the Sean Newman podcast stock, what would the line look like? There'd be no line. There is no Sean Newman podcast stock on the New York Stock Exchange. So what are we going to see? Blank. So what do we see for the H7N9 outbreak? It looks like influenza disappeared. Didn't that seem absurd? That influenza would just disappear from Earth kind of overnight and this other mysterious virus from China that hasn't killed 10 people in Hong Kong, hasn't killed 10 people in Beijing, mysteriously just killed everybody in Italy? Didn't Italy have 3 million cases of influenza in January? Yeah. What happened to them? Everybody just went home. Fine. They took a lollipop and went home. And then everybody just started dying from COVID out of the blue. There's no nonstop flights from Bergamo to Wuhan. That's CIA horse shit. You guys got to stop listening to this crap. It's a, you got to, it's two stops and it's like 18 hours. Nobody's going from Wuhan to Bergamo. That's nonsense. Look it up on, on the Mayak. It's two stops. There's no non-stop from Wuhan to Bergamo. It's an 18-hour trip. In the middle of COVID, everybody thought they just started, uh, you know, when it came to the PCR test, there was the the talks of uh, how many cycles they did so that it was picking up trace amounts of COVID of or, or what have you. And that basically COVID was, was influenza. I mean, 
Well, because everybody, you know, like, right, so it's like, where did influenza go? It's right, like, so, did, why did that disappear? Right, you disappear know overnight. Magician, right? You know that as a child, I, I wasn't. Yeah, you brought it up last time. Right. So I was a child magician, right? I was one of the uh, really obnoxious kitty magicians and I got paid for it. And so I look at stuff like magic tricks. I look at these things like it's a magic trick. The PCR test is what we call the modus operandi. It's how you pull this off. In other words, if you're trying to hide a panda, so uh, now the new hypothesis is this is H7N9. It presents almost identically to Spanish flu. It's almost impossible to tell the difference from presentation. It infects your organs. It's nasty. It probably came from Dr. Yoshihiro Kawaoka, uh, University of Wisconsin, and it becomes a national security thing. So from the government's perspective, they don't want U.S. Amrit shut down. They don't want Fort Detrick shut down. So from a national security perspective, the choices are we tell everybody, listen, one of the viruses we work on here got out and it might kill 10 million people. We're really sorry. We promise we're not going to let it happen again. That's choice A. Okay. Choice A. We're so sorry. Yikes. One of our viruses looks like it's going to kill 10 million people around the world. We're so sorry. We're really going to do better next time. Okay. We're so sorry. Choice B, blame China. Which one do you think the CIA voted for? Uh, easy choice is to blame, blame somebody China. else. Blame China. Blame China. All right. So, so now the CIA is like, you mean we get to release another virus, like a Patsy virus, and we can put a whole campaign together and we can put Mockingbird back in place and tell the media what to say? Wuhan, 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 Wuhan. Oh, boy, baby. That's what. That's fun. That's what we live for. We, I'm telling you, this is the greatest cover-up. These guys have been busy the last four years. They had two cover-ups at the same time, this and the rocks, the asteroids, all at once. And nobody knows well, any of this stuff. Nobody well, knows So you, you bring up the rock. So where I'm sitting at, I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. um, rocks came and went, man. Rocks came and went. Well, so, they so find out about it. Excuse me, March March 10th, they find out about it. May 1st, they move on. It's yesterday's news. As talk, tell, tell us a little bit about the, the uh, what you're talking about, the asteroids. So uh, everything changed. The whole temperament of the COVID story changed March 10th to March 11th. It changes overnight. And there's videos you guys can see if you follow me on Twitter at I underscore M underscore John Cullen on Twitter. You'll see stuff that uh, if you search for that handle and March 10th, March 10 or March 11, you'll find tweets of mine that address this. It basically changes overnight. And you see that Trump the day before is like, dude, this is nothing. This is no big deal. Everybody chill out. I just spoke to President Xi. I just spoke to the guy. He's got it under control. It's not a big deal. Two, two days later. National emergency in all 50 states closed the doors to Cheyenne Mountain. Seems a little... Yeah, well, you, you, immediately what you go is, what did they hear in that time that makes them right. go from everything's fine right. to, holy crap, we're closing the doors down? Right. now, And you've pointed out quite clearly, it's not like over in China there was 10,000 dead. No, there's not enough dead. So there's not 5,000 dead in China. But more importantly, on March the 13th, President Trump declares a national emergency, right? When he does that, there's not 10 people dead in New York. There's not 10 dead in California. There's not 10 dead in Texas. 
and there's not 10 dead in Florida. So, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All those states, there's not 10 dead. There's four dead in California. Other than that, those 30-something people were dead supposedly in Washington. Uh, I'm not sure that we even have PCR tests. I'm not sure how he's figuring this out, That how many are dead. But the net of it is, what the hell are you declaring a national emergency for if there's not 10 dead in New York, Texas, Florida, California, not 10 dead in Hong Kong? If you said to me, dude, there's 4,000 dead in Wuhan, but there's already 86,000 dead in Shanghai. We've got 64,000 dead in Hong Kong. I'd say, all right, shut the subway down. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. But can you pump Lysol into that thing? You know, figure something out, right? You tell me there's seven people dead in Shanghai and the map's all red? I'm calling bullshit. Forgive me. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you want me to play along? You want me to play along? You want me to pretend? Does nobody ever look at Hong Kong? How do you not look at Hong Kong? I don't get that. Anderson Cooper wasn't curious about Hong Kong. Yeah, but I, I've I've told you this last time. I I I think you're in a really really unique spot, having seen the map, helped build the map, having mm-hmm. traveled and lived over there. All these things add up. You're just in a unique spot. And then on top of it, you know, now um, where I sit, at least I you know I think I'm doing a better job of it. You anytime you turn turn on the TV, it is just the amount of fear porn on there is insane. Mm-hmm. Even right now. Like uh, the amount of World War Three stuff going on. Hell, I mean, Obama just produced a freaking movie, uh, Leave the World Behind. And you're like, I'm just waiting to see. Did, does anybody question that? No, the former president of the United States is producing a movie talking about cyber warfare. Nobody's going to maybe be like, well, I think what's, what's going on there? So uh, I, let's talk about that a little bit because they weren't really prepared for this type of journalism the type of journalism that you're doing, the type of journalism that I'm doing, where they don't get to control the narrative. And there's intelligent people bringing meaningful evidence to the table that's outside what these guys are scripting up. And they didn't plan for this. And unlike Edward Snowden, unlike Julian Assange, they haven't figured out a way to arrest all of us, right? So, you know, I haven't broken the law. You haven't broken the law. They can't just come kick our doors in and arrest all of us for just being smart and observant. That's not against the law, right? And that's what makes it a threat. That's yes. now, now they're like, what are we going to do? Sunspots. We need sunspots as a great excuse to take the internet down because all our secrets are getting out. All our secrets are getting out. This is not not okay. How are we going to control everything if all our secrets are getting out and everybody's figuring it out? This, this crowdsourcing model where people are leveraging other people's resources, other people's work, and it's this loosely coupled. I don't even know who these people are. I don't know. Some of the people I'm working with on Twitter I don't know if they're male or female. I don't know a man or a woman. I don't know who the hell this person is. But damn, they bring the content, right? The, the work is spectacular. I don't care who the hell they are. They bring, they bring the work. They bring the content. And so it's this loosely coupled crowdsourcing model 
it's incredibly powerful and dangerous to the intelligence community because they've been used to controlling the narrative and we're we're seeing through the matrix so to speak right and this has been in place since 1947 that we as far as uh, formally uh within the united states but you want to go back it goes back to woodrow wilson it goes back to 1917 1916 and that administration was already figuring out the importance of misinformation and how to quell it and how to not have naysayers show up right now how to not have heretics show up with a you know saying no, no no that's not the case that's that's not true they can't have that and so we see it as early as 1916 1917 with woodrow wilson in the united states it seems like everything they want you to believe is not the real story you know las vegas shooting is a perfect example then that didn't happen what they told you that has nothing to do with what happened there and then with this blaming china and putting everything on wuhan and putting everything on peter daszak peter daz peter daszak is an american hero and everybody's gonna go what peter daszak is the guy that the cia reached out to and they said peter we need help here we got to cover up something what do you got what do you got in your bag of tricks there we need something that's going to present with a nasty pneumonia it needs to have every bell and whistle imaginable so you know furin cleavage you got the cgg cgg and gp120 in the same virus that's my huckleberry that's what i'm looking for i need everybody obsessing about this thing that's what i'm looking for peter dad okay provide You're- the patsy virus for the cia to cover up the worst influenza outbreak since 1918 that's what happened okay you've pulled me in two different directions here john i, I want to hear about the asteroid because the asteroid i don't understand how it fits into this i i do understand the the field hospital uh um coming up and disappearing real fast and that's right like pretty much all- it. that's pretty much it march 10th they show the president this asteroid stuff he says yeah 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 get the hell out of here then march 28th one of them hits in nigeria and they didn't even know about that one because the ones they told them were going to hit were hitting or coming converging on april 27th of 2020 so when the first impact happens in nigeria on march 28th just two weeks after he declared so when he declares a national emergency, that has nothing to do with COVID and has nothing to do with influenza. Neither. They close the doors to Cheyenne Mountain. That's what that's about. Okay. General O'Shaughnessy was now running the United States government, not President Trump. When the doors to Cheyenne Mountain close, that's not about a respiratory infection. If there's seven dead in Shanghai, get the hell out of it. Come on. That's March 13th. Two weeks later, there's a meteor crater in Nigeria bigger than any meteor crater we've seen in the last thousand years. Nothing compares to it. I went to Barringer Crater in Arizona. We went to uh, Las Vegas, and it's like five hours east of Las Vegas is this crater called Barringer Crater. 
It's in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely in the middle of nowhere. It's the biggest crater like that you can drive up to on Earth, basically. I think there's a bigger one in Australia. But it's 50,000 years old. Since then, there's like nothing like that in 50,000 years, except this one in Akure, Nigeria. And you hear all these stories about this asteroid as big as 21 elephants, and this asteroid as big as 14 flamingos, and this asteroid as big as uh, 19 dishwashing machines, and it's fine by a million miles, and then one of them hits, and that doesn't make the news? CNN doesn't send a team to Nigeria to look at the hole in the ground? Because there's 30 more coming so that's when Trump takes it seriously, and that's when he puts into place Operation Warp Speed. And Operation Warp Speed <clears throat> is to build 114 field hospitals in the United States by April 20th, because the convergent date is one week later on the 27th. The U.S. Naval Hospital Ship Comfort leaves New York three days later. So the convergence is scheduled for April 27th. They're all sitting there with their fingers crossed, hoping, you know, we don't lose Belgium. We don't know where the hell these things are going to hit, but we've got our field hospitals up on April 27th, comes and goes, and on May 1st, we put them away. Three days later. And the hospital ship left the day early, left on April 30th, left New York, up, 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 up sailing away. This field hospital stood for 10 days. So May 1st, they get the all clear. The asteroids are gone. They flew by. Fortunately, the only one that hit that we know of is the one in Akure, Nigeria. One might have hit in the ocean somewhere, but we don't know about it. And that's it. And now we go back to covering up an H7N9 avian influenza outbreak that appears to be in the food supply. So the asteroids come and go. It, it's a short thing. You get your field hospitals, and we put the jet planes away because we didn't want planes falling out of the sky, getting hit by rock debris and stuff. So we put all the planes away, and then we start flying again when they say, okay, you know, pandemic, pandemic, blah, 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 blah. And then they start air travel again. But they didn't put the planes away because there's seven people dead in Shanghai. How, four dead how, how big is the, uh, the asteroid hit down in Nigeria? probably not bigger than like a softball or a cantaloupe because they're going 20,000 miles an hour. So the, the amount of kinetic energy from some, you know, it's like a cannonball going 20,000 miles an hour. It's remarkable. And that's what it is. You know, they're made out of iron typically. So it's like a cannonball going 20,000 miles an hour makes a hole that size. You're talking about, it's like railgun speeds. I mean, these are speeds we, we we can't get to those speeds in our atmosphere. That's why it's so hot. They they come in, they're piping hot. They're like molten. So it blew the roofs off all the buildings nearby. Like within a kilometer, all the roofs of the buildings blew off, but there's no fire. There's no explosion. There was no incendiary event. Why don't the, this is, I feel like this is a dumb question, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't CNN go cover that? Why don't they go cover something that would get, they, they didn't want that. They wanted everybody's focus on COVID. <clears throat> because they're told what to do. And when, when the meeting takes place and they're told this is national security, okay, everybody's going to get a pin, right? We're going to give you a tour. 
right? We're going to bring you down the shooting range. You're going to shoot the gun. You're going to pretend like you're a spy. We're going to treat you like you're a big shot, right? Sean Hannity wears his little pin all the time, right? We're going to make you feel important. But this is national security. This could be, so April 27th is what they call an extinction level event. Meaning if in fact impact occurs, you're talking about, you know, a billion people could get wiped out. So that's what the field hospitals were for. That's why they put the jet planes away. That's why they wanted everybody off the roads. Because for example, let's say one of those asteroids impacts in Toronto. What do you think it's going to look like in Buffalo? Right, we got to have field hospitals in Buffalo to take care of Toronto, right? Syracuse. Dude, we have field hospitals all over the country for 10 days. We had four of them in Rhode Island. You, you guys have oil field camps that are bigger than Rhode Island. We had four field hospitals in Rhode Island. For well, it's, ten days. For ten days, it's it's funny. Everybody up here, I'm I'm like I think I can speak for everybody. Hmm. Heard about the field hospitals? I think the field hospitals. I mean, like they just they put them everywhere, like you say. And I think that everybody knew about those. But I don't know if I pull the audience. How many people knew about an asteroid hitting in Nigeria? I mean, if it wasn't for you, I had no idea. I, yeah, had, most, I most actually, people. I had zero clue. Yeah, most people because it's covered up. Now, why would you cover it up? You have to, so you have to back into this stuff. You have to say, what the hell would you hide that for? Oh, there's 30 more coming. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. If there's 30 more coming, yeah, you probably are like, nip, 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 ixnay on the asteroid A, right? I mean, they don't want people panicking. They don't want people freaking out that this is, you, there was a, there's a movie called Greenland. They pulled the trailer from Greenland off the internet because it was so realistic and it looked like what was coming or what had just happened. It was ghosted from the internet. The trailer comes out like three days later. You can't find the trailer anymore and all the links to it are dead. It's like, well, what the hell do you guys do? Why'd you pull the trailer? Now you watch the trailer and you're like, oh, that was the forecast for April 27th. I get it. That was the forecast. So that's why we had field hospitals. That's why we put the airplanes away. Then May 1st, they get the all clear. And they say, okay, problems, you know, that's done. Back to the virus problem. And this is basically, this is the CIA's uh, between the asteroids and then this virus thing. The virus thing kills 7 million people globally. So this is probably the biggest cover-up by the CIA other than, you know, if, if what David Grush says is true. Have you had Grush on the show yet? I haven't had Grush on the show. Nope. Oh, man, that would be awesome. If what he's saying is true and he says we've got we've got spaceships in the in the two digits. He's like, yeah, we got more than 10 of them in our in our possession. Right. If what he's saying is true and we got this stuff, that's clearly the biggest cover up in the history of mankind. Right. Is that we've got alien stuff here or whatever the hell, whatever. So that would be the biggest cover up ever. This. Seven million people died from a virus nobody knows even happened. To me, that that's the second biggest cover up in the history of mankind. 
if 7 million people just died from a virus and nobody actually knows what it really was, and the CIA was able to cover that up, that's pretty impressive. You get, you got, Why is the CIA covering it up? Because we consider viruses national security. U.S. AMRID, uh, United States Army, you know, Medical Infectious Disease Research Institute. That's national security, man. This is, you know how cheap viruses are compared to that general dynamic shit? All those bombs and AMRAMs and SCRAMs and stingers. Those things are expensive. 675000 bucks a piece. Viruses are dirt cheap. It's funny. I'm I'm, I'm just steer. finishing. I'm I'm just about to finish. Um. Uh, pro- Project Paperclip by Annie Jacobson. Yeah. Um, talking yeah. about bringing you know, it, you know, the United States isn't the only one that does this. I should point out, but they're bringing all these uh, Nazi scientists over to America. But Russia's doing the same thing. Britain's doing the same. Like I mean, everybody's doing the same thing. They're basically uh taking all these. People who did horrendous things to human beings yeah. and bring them over to work on their rocket programs, their chemical warfare, then on and on and on and go and you go, hey, well we're we're only a few, uh, you know, what is it, almost a hundred years removed from that, not quite. Um, and you think the generations that have um, come under the school of thought that they brought with them, and uh, some of the technology <coughs> they had back then. And so you go, the CIA is covering up because it's 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 national security, but that would mean would that not mean Would that not mean they, that they accident? Like, I go back to our first conversation, John. And, John, what you were talking about was <clears throat> that um, Fauci and them had accidentally released or given out the, the 1918 um, sequence. And then that had eventually got released uh, <clears throat> on public, whether accidentally, whether, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. not accidentally. Mm-hmm. Do you still go down that road? Or are you like, no, no, this is just a, a bad uh, virus going around and they wanted to cover because I'm, I'm missing something here like okay. why would the cia go to all the effort of yep. of honestly so many people now you know if if they hadn't have done it the way they've done it mm-hmm. so many people like this journalist thing wouldn't have been a problem if they had been slightly nudging it right. they forcibly pushed this thing so hard that this is comes about because i wasn't doing this before but now I'm like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why, unless you're like, you know, I, I, I go back to some of the school of thought. It's like a simple question. You either think you're a plague on the earth or human beings can survive. And if you think you're a plague, then you go back to uh, how, uh, how much they want to depopulate the world. And I don't know, but is that where you get to or you no, think uh, this no. differently? Depopulation to me has nothing to do with any of this stuff. I, I don't buy into all that. <clears throat> depopulation is coming in five years. So don't don't worry about depopulation. This is um, in order to understand the motive, uh, sort of the motive <clears throat> of what just happened. You have to look at well, what happened? What what was accomplished as a result of this pandemic? Hillary Clinton said we really need to move to vote by mail when there weren't yet two hundred people dead in America. And again, if you told me there were 86,000 dead in Shanghai, 74,000 dead in Hong Kong, and there's not yet 200 dead in America, I might say, well, I'll think about it, Hill. You know, let's see, let's see where we go. There's not 200 people dead. The hell is she talking about vote by mail? 
You're solving a problem that doesn't exist. But it seems like you, you know full well the problem is going to be here. How did you have a solution to a problem that hasn't shown up yet? There's 191 people dead in the United States on March 18th, 2020, when Hillary Clinton says we should vote by mail. And that's when she tips her hand. And if I'm lying in bed next to her, if I'm Huma Abedin, I say, hey, baby, don't you think you just jumped the gun a little bit? 191 people are dead and you're calling for mail-in voting. Shouldn't you wait till 4,000, 5,000, 8,000 are dead? You got 191 dead and you got a solution to the problem? What are you? That was a tell. She tipped her hand. 191 people dead in the United States. Hillary Clinton calls for vote by mail. That's your motive. That's why they did this. Anthony Fauci in Georgetown, January 2017, one week before the inauguration, predicts a surprise outbreak for the next administration. So they figured if we can get vote by mail, we can get an advantage. And how are we going to force vote by mail? We have a pandemic. How are we going to have a pandemic? We're going to use a virus nobody's going to be looking for. So originally, I thought it was 1918 Spanish flu. But then we find this other virus in Wuhan people, in Wuhan patients. And it turns out it's like the CDC's new most deadly virus that's also BSL-4 and presents identically to 1918 Spanish flu because they both don't need this trypsin. They both can infect anything. So they're very similar. Right? It is, it's like you're comparing you know, a, a Rottweiler and a Doberman, or, you know, it's like the damage they're going to do is not that different, right? You know, they, if, if both of those bite your leg, it's going to look pretty similar, right? So that's kind of what we're dealing with here. We've got two viruses that both have the same ability to infect stuff other than your lungs and your respiratory system. And that's game changing. And in the world of viruses as war this is why they went to alaska it's why they dug up the spanish flu because it infects your organs it infects your whatever it can infect your brain your heart your nervous system it's devastating and if you can come up with a version that doesn't make you have a fever <clears throat> you may not even know you have it your blood oxygen starts going down to 86%, 84%, 81%. You start feeling tired. You're lethargic. But you're a young guy. You don't think to check your blood oxygen. You don't have one of those little fingertip things. You don't even realize your blood oxygen's at 81% and you're walking around like a zombie suffering from hypoxia because you don't have a fever. Next thing you know, you've been infected for six weeks. You don't have any idea. You don't even know what's in you because it's not infecting your lungs. It's infecting your nervous system. So now you got this weird twitch. You don't know where the hell that came from. What the hell is this? And you weren't, you weren't vaccinated. So you're like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> because you got one of the strangest viruses we've ever seen. You look this thing up, it's called highly pathogenic H7N9. 
And it is, you know, this is what killed 53 million uh, chickens in the United States. <clears throat> like we just had, this is the worst avian flu outbreak in American history. Kills over 50 million chickens and no people. Now it killed over 50 million chickens and 1.2 million people, but we needed to blame China. Although, again, like I said, otherwise, what are we going to tell everybody, Sean? You know, we're, we're so sorry. <clears throat> we're, if, really, if I try and, and John, really if I try and wrap this up in a bow, though, yeah, I go, the deep state right. looks at, it, 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 uh, and correct me here if I get this wrong. Want to get rid of Trump. Want to get rid of Trump. They go, the only way we're getting to that is mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. Because then we can we can we can put a little bit of a finger on the scale if you would. You got it. And so how can we do that? And they go, Well, a pandemic would put everybody in fear. Keep them home. Who the hell wants to go to a gymnasium to vote at the local elementary school? When you're terrified of your next door neighbor. Forget that. Wear a mask, stay six feet away. Come on in and close the curtain and pull that lever and touch that thing everybody's been touching. Get the hell out of here. I'm not touching that thing. You, you know, it, it's it's funny. I, I come back to the same thought every time. Well, the second time I've talked to you. You know, so many people call it the pandemic, but they put it as, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was never that bad. COVID, you know. If you listen to, if you listen to enough people talk about the flu that year. Take the word COVID out of it and just talk about the flu. They talk about how it, it, it hammered them hard. Like it was a tough flu. That's right. And so tough flus, what do they do? They take out the elderly. They take out the autoimmune people, the people who don't have strong immune systems. Sorry, trying to spit that out. Correct. And, and, you know, and if you look at Canadian hospitals in particular, they're always overflowing. Like this isn't something new. Correct. But when you focus in on it, you give it a new name that is not the flu, right? Because, I mean, influenza, right? Flu. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and then you pump the amount of fear that they did into it. Mm-hmm. You get to where everybody is terrified of their neighbor. But they're not, t- if it had been the flu, even though people are dying, they rationalize it out as it isn't that big of a deal. Does that make sense? It does, and you also have to keep in mind that the the people who are behind this need it to perpetuate through November of 2020, meaning if, first of all, nobody expected hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin was going to be effective against this wicked H7N9. Nobody expected that. So when all of a sudden it appears early on that there's some efficacy there, Fauci and those guys have to swap that down. You can't end the pandemic. We're just getting started. We need this thing to carry through to November. Can't have effective therapeutics. And then all the guys who are helping fund this, they want to do the vaccine thing. If I have an effective therapeutic, there's a law in the United States, 21 U.S. Code 360 BBB. And it says if there's an effective therapeutic, you don't get an EUA for vaccine. So if they found that anything could have been Zithromax, could have been Zofluza, anything was effective, you don't get an EUA for the vaccine. Yeah. So as soon as they bring up hydroxychloroquine, ah, as soon as they bring up ivermectin, ah, no way, no way. Can't, 
because then we're not going to do vaccines and we're not going to do vote for mail. If we can end the pandemic in June of 2020, the hell do we have to do vote by mail for in November? Can't have an effective therapeutic. Wash your hands. Stay away from me. Wash your hands. Stay home. That's all we had in 2020. There were no shots. There was no inoculation in 2020. And there was no therapeutic. You had to be in the hospital on an IV to get remdesivir. And, you know, next thing you know, most people died. Right? Good portion of people who were given remdesivir end up dying from kidney failure. But you had to get there. You had to get to the hospital. Something had to bring you there. You, You don't just show up to the hospital and they hook you up on remdesivir. Something brings you to the hospital. How many times have you had the flu? Have you had, you know, 102, 103 fever? You're burning up. You're sweating in the sheets. It's just a mess. And you're sick as a dog. You don't even want to go to the bathroom. It's like you're aching and you're like, have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. All right. You go to the hospital? No. No. Stay home. Right. Right. I've been sick as, dude, I've been so sick. I, I'm sitting there thinking, I can see why people die from this. I still don't go to the hospital. So how sick do these people have to be to go to the hospital? When you feel that lousy to say, all right, I'm going to get out of bed, get dressed, and go to the hospital because I feel that lousy, I want to go there, you're going to be pretty damn sick. And those people die from the remdesivir. There's a whole bunch of people who never went to the hospital. But got pretty damn sick from this thing, I'm sure. Like you said, a whole bunch of people said, man, the flu kicked my ass that year. They're hiding this because we, America, considers this stuff national security. And by the way, you guys are guilty too. You got a BSL-4 lab in Winnipeg, right? Dr. Jane Chu gets kicked out of there with her whole staff, her whole crew, right? That's a whole nother show. Royal Canadian Mounted Police show up at the Winnipeg lab, say, Jane, you, your husband, and your whole crew, out. You're out. And she's like, out? Like, where? We're going to Howard Johnson's? No. Out of the country. Get the hell out of Canada. We're kicking you back to China. This happens in the summer right before COVID at Winnipeg. And there's some people who believe that Jane Chu and Winnipeg play some role here because she helped develop ZMAP. ZMAP was an Ebola drug that was developed in Winnipeg. And all of a sudden, COVID shows up, and the solution to COVID is another Ebola drug called remdesivir, both of which failed their FDA trials, by the way. Remdesivir failed. ZMAP failed. Neither of them get approved for Ebola. But then they pick remdesivir back up off the scrap heap and say, well, why don't we try this for COVID? What the hell for? Is there something about COVID that's similar to Ebola? I don't know. But it turns out COVID is the red herring. COVID is what the CIA calls up Peter Daszak and says, Peter, we got to pin this thing on China. If, if, if the community finds out this is our virus and we just killed 10 million people, there's going to be a moratorium on gain of function. They're going to want to shut down Fort Detrick or, you know, we got a whole, and you know, virus industrial complex here. We got Ralph Barrick, we got Kawaoka, we got, you know, Galveston, University of North Carolina. We got money going all over the place. And all of a sudden you're going to stop all that because we had one little leaky leaky? Now let's blame China. Let's get 
Peter Daszak come up with this cool ass virus that everybody's going to go batshit crazy over. He's got GP120, he's got CGG, CGG. It's like a Christmas tree with ornaments hanging off of it. And the ornaments have like a little train that goes around on train tracks. You're like, get out of here. Look at this. This is hysterical. Look how cute this is. That's what's going on with SARS-CoV-2. Everybody's fascinated by all the little bells and whistles on there. And nobody's noticing that the avian flu just killed 54 million chickens and 1.2 million Americans. Flu didn't disappear, Sean. A strain that the WHO doesn't track became the new dominant strain. And so it appears that the flu disappeared. It's not on their chart. They don't have a color assigned to it. The avian flu, yep. did it kill people over in China, Russia? Or, or when you look across the world, yes. is this? That's what this was. This was a global pandemic of H7 and 9. That's the real killer. SARS-CoV-2 is a real virus that came from this lab from Peter Daszak. And what they did was they sent, they sent both of the viruses out. Okay? So if you send both of the viruses out into the wild at the same place, they're going to spread pretty similarly. Right? And that's pretty much what they did by, by sending out the SARS-CoV-2 virus at the Wuhan Games in October. The influenza thing was already underway. The influenza pandemic had already devastated Australia. We've got 3 million cases in Italy by January. So at the Wuhan Games, they released the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So you got one super spreader event, two viruses. Both viruses are going to leave that event and spread around the world synchronously together. And that's exactly what you want. From a fingerprint, you know, uh, breadcrumb trail perspective, everything will point back to the Wuhan games. And that's fine. That's perfect. That's everybody. And so you even hear Congress. You hear Mike McCall in Congress talking about the Wuhan games. Perfect. CIA. Perfect. Everybody's obsessing about Wuhan, SARS-CoV-2, GP120, CGGCGG. Was it a bat? Did it come from here? What did Dr. She know? Nobody talks about influenza. It's the number one comorbidity of COVID in America is influenza. Nobody mentions it. Nobody mentions we have 54 million dead chickens. Why are all the poultry farms on fire? Who the hell setting fires at one o'clock in the morning to these poultry farms? Oh, is that another CIA program? Operation Chicken Feed? Is Operation Chicken Feed that we're killing our own people with our chicken? And that it doesn't matter if we cull the chickens, the virus is in the hen house. It's in the building. You can cull all the chickens you want. Cull the chickens, shut the place down for a month, bring in new chickens, they're going to get the virus. So what do we do? If you're the CIA, Operation Chicken Feed. We get to go creep around at night in our little black suits and set chicken farms on fire. All around the country, Canada, all around the world, they're burning them down in India. What the hell? Why, why are all the egg farms burning down? What the hell's going on? Oh, you got an H7N9 outbreak like you've never seen before? That's a good way to get rid of it. Leave it to the CIA to come up with a plan to burn down all the poultry farms in America. They live for this shit. This is what, the, this is what these guys live for. Operation Chicken Feed. Eight, seven, and nine 
killed 7 million people. SARS-CoV-2 is real. But it's not deadly. You know, it might be to somebody who's, you know, really, really sick. But this H7 and 9, man, this thing will infect your heart. It'll infect your liver, your pancreas. I mean, this thing caused it. Have you read the stories about the people who they say so and so caught influenza? Next thing you know, they lost all four limbs. What the hell? How do you lose your limbs from influenza unless it's a strain that's attacking your circulatory system because it doesn't need trypsin? These are some strange viruses these guys have been cooking up. That's why it's national security. They don't want you to know any of this shit. They want to keep doing it. It's funny, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm trying to rack my brain on this. And, I'm, you know, uh, when we're done, I'll pro it'll probably come clearer to me. But it's all the push on getting vaccinated and then people getting harmed from the vaccination that wakes up a ton of people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this. So this takes well, us back to the January 13th issue. Yeah, well, but but that's the thing. So you're talking about January 13th of 2020, correct? Correct. And Trump's it doesn't be it doesn't even come on the rate now. I have to think about this. It's June. You know, in fairness, sitting in a in a, a meeting when I was back working at Baker Hughes, they got Western Canada everything. Yeah. And they say, we're not going back to working in person, et cetera, et cetera, until we have a vaccine. That's June. Right, right. So you go, here's a big company that knows something that you, and you're like a vaccine. Like, I remember being so confused. This is three months after we've been shut down right. and everybody, you know, in, in Canada, it was March, March, 2020, when everything shut, like right down, they were canceling everything. You're going, okay, we're canceling everything. That's three right. months later, you're like, why are we canceling everything? Can't we go, you know, I went from being like, holy crap, everyone's going to die to like, this doesn't feel right. Like th there's nothing going on here. Like everything you thought was going to happen right. didn't happen. So the March shutdown, that's all the asteroid stuff. That's the field hospitals, the asteroids and the hard, that's the hard shutdown is March. That's because the asteroids That's because of a Korea, Nigeria, March 28th. That's why all that's happening. They've seen the forecast. They think it's happening. Once you get to so they shut everything down in, right. in your opinion, yeah. your thought, your, your walk through this yeah. until the end of April, because they're like, holy crap. Correct. All hell is about to break loose. Right. So we got to prepare for it. That's yeah. when the field hospitals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then it doesn't come to pass. Correct. Other than for these poor people in Nigeria, right? Correct. Lose their roof. But other than that, everything's good. And then it's just the two viruses and the fact that it's a money grab for the vaccines. Now, let's talk about the vaccine, get vaccinated, vaccinated. Why do we need to vaccinate? Why doesn't Trump say, yeah, it looks like we kind of screwed up. It looks like we got a problem here. Why is that? Why does he keep saying something? So one of the things Trump keeps saying is if it wasn't for the vaccines, we would have had another 1917 Spanish flu. And I was like, what that? It's a 1918 Spanish flu. Why do you keep saying 1917 Spanish flu? And he keeps saying it over and over and over again, almost like every appearance he makes in every city. He says, if we didn't do this vaccine, we would have had another Spanish flu, another 1917 Spanish flu. It's like 1917. What the? Why do you keep calling it the 1917 Spanish flu? Everybody else calls it 1918 Spanish flu. 
What's he trying to tell us? When he signed the contract on January 13th, 90 days earlier, 95 days earlier, he signed an executive order called Modernizing Influenza Vaccines. An executive order doesn't even go to Congress, and he signs it. Now, you know it wasn't his idea, right? So somebody like Dr. Fauci brought it to him and said, yeah, we got to get off of eggs. This whole idea that we're growing vaccines and eggs, this is a disaster. Please sign this so that we can get off of eggs. And he signs that September of 2019, before Event 201 and before the Milken Conference, where they talk about we got to get off eggs. Paperwork's already done. The Milken Conference, they're just going through the motions. It's already signed. Executive order's done. We're off of eggs now. And on January 13th, President Trump signs a contract with Moderna. But there's only one guy dead on earth from COVID. So what was that Moderna contract really for? And that makes you wonder, well, what the hell was really in those vials? Did you tell us that that shot was for COVID? But it was really for pandemic influenza? Because that would be one of the most unbelievable cover-ups of all time. If you told me that shot that you gave people was for COVID, but it was really for something else, would that explain why Donald Trump continues to say, if I didn't do what I did with this vaccine, we would have had another Spanish flu? So that makes you wonder, was 1.7 million Americans dying? Was that a good outcome? If he didn't do this Moderna thing, might we have been at 5 million, 8 million? Because we don't even know. First of all, nobody even knew this thing was here. I didn't know it was H7 and 9 72 hours ago. I still thought it was 1918 H1N1, except I thought it was Warabee's sequence and not uh, Taubenberger's sequence. So the amount that we've learned in the last week or two or three has been just dramatic. Dramatic. So have, have you talked to um like people who've dug real deep into the vaccines? No, because the vaccines kind of bore me to tell you the truth. Really? Um, yeah, because the vaccines aren't the root cause of the pandemic. We had people dying in 2020 with no vaccines. So what the hell's that? What what was doing that? What's killing everybody in 2020 before there's any vaccines? To me, the vaccines, it's like, that's easy. It's like picking on the skinny kid. It's like, come on. It's like, obviously, it's a, it's a disaster. Obviously. It's like, we all get that. I'm wondering what the hell is in the vaccine. Why was he signing a Moderna contract on January 13th? Sure as hell wasn't for COVID. So what's in the Moderna shot? He could have been, could he have not been signing the contract for a COVID vaccine because they'd shown him the stats of where this thing was going? By January like, 22nd. Okay, so let's review that. So January, uh, December 30th, Peter Daszak sends out the tweet, hey, we got our eye on this pneumonia. January 10th, the first guy dies. January 22nd, we got nine dead. By January 22nd, we've got 13,100 dead since New Year's Day. You tell me what that Moderna contract's for. You're predicting that people, more people are going to die from COVID? Woohoo! We went from one to two to nine in three weeks. Whereas, whereas influenza, 
went from 4,100 to 8,200 to 13,100 in the same time frame. So I got nine dead in Wuhan and I got 13,000 dead in America. I won't argue with you, on John, on, on uh, like, to me, you're bringing up some things I, I really got to think about, right? Like, I, like you this know, is, this I is feel a, very stoic on this side. So, so here's when the, it comes this to this cognitive dissonance. It's supposed to make you feel weird. You're supposed to feel nauseous, dizzy. That's what this does, because what I'm sharing with you changes everything and everything you've heard. And not nobody's mentioned any of this stuff. All the experts, nobody's mentioned any of this. So it's like, how the hell do you miss this? How do you miss that H7 and 9 killed 53,000 chickens and no people? No people. 53 million chickens and all the chicken farms burned down and nobody died from the thing. That's interesting. It disappeared. Influenza disappeared or you just don't track H7 and 9. It's just not in the PCR test. Oh, well, now you've got an explanation. So... It's going to be weird to wrap your head around it. It's my head is still spinning from the H7 and 9 revelation that we just had like a day or two ago. We just figured this stuff out. And it's based on the, um, the samples that were taken from those first patients in Wuhan. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have looked at this H7 and 9. When we start digging into H7 and 9, like, wait a second, there was a massive H7 and 9 outbreak in China in 2016, 2017. And then we just had the worst avian influenza outbreak in American history. And no, and, but it didn't go to people or we just don't have it in the PCR test. And you guys didn't want anybody to know that Kawaoka has been screwing around with this thing and making it more deadly. So that's why they cover it up. And that's why, you know, again, it's blame China or sorry. It looks like we're going to kill 10 or 20 million people. We're so sorry. Didn't mean. Yeah, but, they, but when you do the theory of they did it in order to force uh, vote in uh, or uh, mail-in ballots, sorry. They, they're never apologizing for that. It's a plan. They're not going to apologize. It's a plan in order to enact something. When I think of the, the vaccines, though, you listen to all the doctors that uh, I've been talking to and even just anecdotal data of just like staring at friends, family, colleagues, etc. that got vaccinated. The amount of turbo cancers or things that look because I'm no doctor. It's a mess. It's a disaster. It's a mess. Disaster. So, so for Donald Trump to get a pass, let me explain. On signing it, you got it. So here's so here's kind of the benefit of the doubt scenario. I'm not saying it's what happened, but it is a scenario that we have to consider, and the scenario that we have to again. I'm not making excuses. I get it. The the shots are a disaster, right? I'm not vaccinated, and you know what am I supposed to tell you? My kid, my adult children are idiots right so they don't listen to their father so if they came to donald trump and they said sir this thing is nasty this thing is as bad as the spanish flu and potentially we could lose 20 30 million americans now we've got this shot we got we think we know what we're doing here but here's the thing the side effects might kill one or two million Americans. We might end up with strokes, heart attacks, and clotting, and 
some cancer shit that we, we can't even be sure of. So we may lose one or two million to save 20 to 30. What do you want to do, sir? Welcome to Bioethics 101. And that's where it gets super uncomfortable because we can't prove the negative. We don't know how many people didn't get sick or didn't die because they had the Moderna shot. There's no way to measure that. There's no way to know that because it's a negative. So it, it kind of begs the question, did they present him with this scenario and say, sir, you might, you might lose a million or two. So I don't even know. My phone is ringing, but I don't know where it is to turn it off. So forgive me. <laughs> well, the thing is with Trump, with, with with any president, prime minister, et cetera, to act like they didn't have a uh, meeting of dire consequence sitting right in front of them, I think is, you know, if you don't think that's partially what was going on, I, I, would, I would say that's laughable. We, we you know, they, they were presented with, we all remember, like, I can't think of a time where they didn't show me the chart where everybody's dead, right? Like where, where there's going to be, you know, what was it? Was it 10%? Was it 5%? I can't remember. It was high. And I remember thinking, doing the math in my head for Canada alone. And I was like, oh my God, right? Like this is, this is, this is serious. And so to be, um, to go back to, to Trump sitting there and getting presented with something for sure that happened for sure. It did. The fact he is doing something before it all comes about, he's going, well, we've got to get on this fast because there's an election coming up and on and on whether or not the election part is what he thought but like he's a politician he's the president of the united states they know how like look at this year as we walk in it's 2024 john i haven't even asked you about it we're in an election year in the united states are we like i can just imagine the wild ride we're in we're already experiencing parts of it but i mean what are you staring at in 2024 let's get off the 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 the, the going back to 2020 let's let's hop to the present day with with the election coming up and them removing them off ballots and and on and on this goes, where does this head towards in your mind? I think we're going to have another outbreak. Um, Joe Biden told us that he said, "We're there's going to be another there's going to be another pandemic. We got to have some money. We're going to need money for this next pandemic." It's it's kind of like going to Disney World, right? You can't go to Disney World without pocket money. How the hell are you going to go to Disney World without money in your pocket? So you can't have a pandemic if you don't have any money. So Joe Biden told us there's going to be another pandemic. These avian influenzas are nasty. And, you know, we're tracking H5N1, which is one of them. We're tracking H3N8, which is actually a, a equine. It's the most common um, influenza that you'll see in horses and dogs is H3N8 and this H7N9. So all they need is a new boogeyman. And they tell you, hey, this new boogeyman is worse than the last boogeyman. So all those things we did, now you're going you're gonna to stay nine feet away from each other and wash your hands every three minutes. So they'll just make this boogeyman worse. I think they, they're going to repeat it because it was so successful. Of all the people you've talked to, how many people have talked about influenza? It's a number one comorbidity. It disappears from Earth. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody's embarrassed to confront me. Nobody wants to be on the same show as me and you know look at the data. 
And you've got a lot of scientists, really respectable people, people I like, saying there was no, there was no pandemic. And the whole thing is iatrogenic, meaning people were mistreated in the hospital. I study root cause analysis. That's what I did my whole career. What brought them to the hospital? You, the hospital can't kill you with mistreatment if you're not at the... Why did you go to the hospital? You and I have never gone to the hospital for the flu in our lives, neither of us. And I've had it pretty bad. I never went to the freaking hospital. So what brought those people to the hospital that they then were treated improperly and died? Well, I know of I know of one. He still uh, is part of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he called the ambulance for himself because he couldn't he couldn't move his legs. He had to pull himself down the stairs, and he told me point blank, you know, this is a real deal, you know. And he was one of the the folks who ended up in the hospital and got treated and came out of the hospital, and you know, uh, on on it goes. So, what, and I had Peter. What, what, I had Peter McCullough yeah, on kind of, here. Before you get to McCullough, what kind of virus makes you lose the ability to move your legs? A respiratory, a typical respiratory infection or something that doesn't need trypsin that can infect your nervous system? COVID doesn't do that. COVID's a respiratory infection. But COVID doesn't cause you to not be able to move your legs. But a virus that doesn't need trypsin can do that. So now tell me about Peter McCall. I just, one of the things I will agree with you on is everybody goes, the further we get away from COVID, um, the more and more uh, they act like it never happened. But in the middle of the beginning of it, mm-hmm. the very beginning of it, mm-hmm. talking to Pierre Corey, which I didn't talk to him till later, mm-hmm. but Pierre, uh, Peter McCullough is the one that always sticks out. He's like, you know, this is the Super Bowl for doctors. We're in the middle of this. We need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. They were putting together protocols for people to use, for people to take, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, did it affect the younger generations nearly as bad as the older generations? No. Like the the statistics show that immensely. But to Mm -hmm. act like the older generations weren't hit by it uh, and that it wasn't a bad flu, I think is, is... Again, the people who are in medicine, people who are bedside, all the nurses, the physician's assistants, get really angry. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm in the hospital. People were sick, man. People were really sick. Right? We had people whose lips were turning blue. Ground glass opacity. Right? Don't tell me there wasn't a pandemic. Don't tell me there wasn't people sick. We saw it. Right. But and then the, pe- whole, the other people on the other side argued the later on it went, the people who were showing up in the hospital more and more right. were the vaccinated. And they're starting and to see and more that, and more vaccinated and injury yeah, and strange things going true. on. So that's absolutely true. But from my perspective, when we started getting into the, the vaccine injuries and the VAERS stuff and all that, it was so obvious. It's like the VAERS data was right there, right? I was reporting a lot of the VAERS stuff on Twitter. But you got Bobby Kennedy Jr. It's like, you know, he's like the Elvis of vaccines. I mean, who the, if you got him in the game, it's, it's like Tom Brady. It's like, I don't really need to be throwing the ball on the sideline. Fair you know, enough. You okay. Tom Brady's on the field here. 
you know, you don't really need me. Okay. So yeah, you're not uh, putting in Kirk cousins. If you got Tom Brady uh, sitting on the team, he's already throwing the ball. I'm looking at this, like everybody who's anybody's going to be on top of this vaccine shit, right? It's obvious. It's a disaster. And Bobby's on the, on the thing. So what the hell? I don't need to be on that. I'm looking at the root cause of the pandemic. And I realize that there's 4,000 people dying in America every week in January and every week in February before COVID. And that this is historic. Like this, this doesn't happen. It like in 2017, 2018, we had that many people dying, but then it tapered off and went away. It didn't happen in 2020. And I'm looking at this and going, you got nine people dead in China and we got 13,000 dead in three weeks here. That contract's not for COVID. And then we see the data and we say, wait a second, half of what you're calling COVID deaths have influenza as the comorbidity? If you had Ebola, okay, and I tested you for HPV and the test came back positive for HPV and you died, I'm going to call that an HPV death. What do you think? I know there's blood coming out of your eyes and coming out of your ears. I I know, but I'm going to call that an HPV death. That's what they did with SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 didn't kill these people. The New England Journal of Medicine tells you in their first paper on it, we didn't fulfill Koch's postulates. They tell you that right out of the gate. Meaning we found a new virus in people that have pneumonia. Cool. That's not why they're going to die. But I'm glad you found the virus. That's very interesting. What else you got in there? Is there anything else? Poke around. See what else you find. You got any bamboo virus? There might be some bamboo virus. Oh, we found some bamboo. But the bamboo virus didn't kill them either, you dummies. The one that's... So when you look at the charts of the the patients from Wuhan, the first uh, seven patients or whatever... They get so the the test results come back two percent SARS, SARS-CoV two two percent, eight percent influenza. That's four times more influenza, right? Eight is four times more than two, right? You got eight percent influenza, two percent SARS. Let's let's focus on the SARS. Let's worry about that. Well, why don't we just look at the bamboo virus? What was that? 0.04% came back as bamboo virus? Let's take a look at that. Well, maybe that's what killed them. Was the, was the 0.04% bamboo virus? No, maybe it's the 8% influenza, you dummies. So all they want you to do is talking about Wuhan, talking about COVID, talking about SARS-CoV-2, talking about myocarditis, talking about all that crap, because it has nothing to do with the real virus that killed 7 million people. Yes, the vaccines are a disaster. It's a shit show. Who the hell would take a vaccine for a virus that hadn't killed 10 people in Shanghai? What the hell would you need that for? If there's nobody dead in Vietnam, no one, zero, zero, not two, not four, not three, zero. If there's nobody dead in Vietnam, why the hell would you think it's going to kill you living in Toronto? You live in Vancouver, you're like, well, how many, honey, how many are dead in Shanghai? How many dead in Hong Kong? Not 10? I'm not really that worried yet. 
Tell me you got half a million dead in Hong Kong. I might take the shot. Tell me, tell me they were bleeding from their eyes, their tongues fell out. I might take the shot. Tell me you got seven dead in Shanghai? I just don't understand how Anderson Cooper didn't check. No, he's knows, not paid to check. He used to work at the CIA, Anderson Cooper. And, you know, once you work at the CIA, you always work for the CIA. Anderson Cooper went to work for the CIA right out of school. That's where he went. That was his uh, internship. And this for, is um, for some reason he wasn't curious about Hong Kong or Shanghai and how many people were dead over there. I just found that weird. I was like, I never heard of Wuhan. So this has been um, ah, <clears throat> there's a lot here. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry, man. No, it, there's no apologies necessary. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what we're you know. It's good to have somebody come on and talk differently uh john one of the things that i i'm like how on earth do i align it so that i can have a couple of and i or maybe it's just one person you know to start with because mm -hmm. i think it'd be interesting to have um you talk towards and i i don't know i i'd have to think about this who who would you want to uh sit across from well, I've, I've had conversations with Steve Kirsch. I've had conversations with uh, Dr. Dave Collum from Cornell. And people who are into data and data analysis, it, 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 you know, it, it's a tough thing because put yourself in the position of somebody who <clears throat> spent the last four years, three and a half, four years, researching SARS-CoV-2, the virus, studying it, studying how it mutated, studying how we went from Delta to Omicron, studying every aspect of it. And then I come along and tell you, yeah, that, that was the red herring. That was the patsy. You, you just wasted three and a half years of your life chasing the wrong, the wrong goose, bro. That's dude. That's devastating. It's devastating. And I'm not, it's not even like an ego thing. It's just like, what? I yeah, but if you're searching, if you're going down a path, and then to be given something that maybe no different than where you were at at the start of this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, some people have stuff at stake and some people don't. See, for me, if I'm right or I'm wrong, I don't lose my job, right? I don't have a job. This is the job, right? So it's, it's like if I'm wrong, uh, I tell you, I told you, it's not H1N1 1918. It, it's this other one. I was wrong. But nobody was even close to figuring out it was this or that in the first place. So it's okay to be wrong when you've lapped the pack two or three times. You, you, can, you can take a 15-second tire change once you've lapped the pack twice. It's okay. It's 15-second tire change. We're okay. We're, we'll be all right. So it's okay to make these course adjustments. That's what the McKinsey method teaches us is that you start out with the straw man hypothesis and the minute you realize, no, it's not that. It's this. You just take that one off the board and put the new one up there. And now we have to make sure all the pieces fit, though. So now we have to make sure every piece fits with this new hypothesis. And that's why my head is spinning. My head is spinning because this whole time, three and a half years, I thought it was 1918 H1N1 because that's how it presented. And they kept this H7N9, this fact that it's BSL-4 and the fact that it acts like it, presents like it, 
I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of people looking for it. There weren't, nobody's even, it's like nobody's even in this neighborhood looking for this stuff. And yet it's the number one comorbidity. So when I share it with somebody like Dave Collum, who's a professor of organic chemistry, he doesn't really have a horse in the race one way or the other. So for him to look at the data, he's just fascinated by all this new stuff, right? He's looking at like, holy shit, you know, look at all this new stuff. This is fascinating. But for somebody who's in the game, it's devastating. It's like, you know, Helen Branswell, Marion Koopmans. I just ruined their careers. It's over. You have no credibility. You missed it all. You missed the whole thing from top to bottom, and you're in the game. The people who aren't in the game, who are curious, like a perfect example would be like Viva Fry. He's not, a, he's not an epidemiologist or a virologist. He's a lawyer. So when he starts poking around and wondering why did influenza disappear, nobody really expects him to come up with the neurimidase of the, of the receptor. Nobody's expecting that from him. So somebody like that is probably the better type of candidate because anybody who's in the game, anybody who's a doctor, imagine you're a physician, you treated 3,000 people for COVID and you didn't give any of them Zofluza or Relenza or one of these things that we now know is effective. There's uh, some new, uh, I forget the names of them because they're complicated, like Nitronidazodol or something that's effective against this thing. But nobody gave it out. So now you find out, oh my God, my patients died of a virus I didn't know they had because the CIA was actively hiding it from me, but I still feel guilt because they died from something I did. I wasn't able to diagnose and some freaking clown on YouTube in a hat and glasses figured this out. Some Oracle idiot. It's not a doctor. He doesn't have a white lab coat. That can't be. It can't be. I don't know. I I, I guess this is why I fit in uh, to, to talking to you quite well, because I'm like, I just think you have a little another piece of the puzzle. It's just a little piece that just starts to give the picture its form. And um, now whether it's the biggest piece, piece, sorry, the tiniest piece, I, you know, like I, I'm I'm look at it just as the puzzle. Every piece is needed in order to figure this thing out. There's there's people that are um, digging into all these different areas. And it's very interesting. I just find it very fascinating. And uh, I'm on board. So I'm, I welcome everybody else's observations and data. Right. So from my perspective, it's like, yeah, bring, show, show me what you got. Show me your data. And then I'll show you my data. There's no, there's nobody who has a bunch of data that I'm afraid of or you know intimidated by, because I know what I have. So, for example, excess deaths, all cause mortality, right? It begins in March of 2020. It doesn't begin with vaccines. It begins in March of 2020, long before vaccines. So, what the hell's causing all cause mortality, excess deaths, if COVID hasn't killed 10 people in Shanghai, Beijing, Tokyo? Bangkok. Hmm. So so what's causing all the the all cause more, you know, what's causing these excess deaths? Once we have vaccines in 2021, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, I'm I'm, I'm watching people falling down on the soccer field just like you. I see it. I see I see what's going on. It's a shit show. 
And it was Gert von der Bosch uh, over yeah. in Europe who said, you know, mass vaccination in the middle of a pandemic is like, I'm going to put my yeah. word on it, idiotic, right? Yeah. He's going it to it's gonna open doors. Geert, and, I, and I don't know why Geert doesn't have more of an audience. Geert was the one who came out and said, what the hell? You don't vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic. You're yeah. going to create viral escape. What the hell are you doing? You're going to create new strains if you do this. And everybody wanted to hear Bob Malone. It's almost like Bob Malone was who the CIA preferred that you hear from, not Geert. It's like that's their guy. It's like the, the, the intelligence community likes Bob Malone, not Geert. So here he, he looks like Geert. They both have white hair. They both look like Santa Claus. Here, talk to Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob's our geared guy. Bob Malone was arguing with me on Twitter. I got in the whole pissing contest with Bob Malone because he said a whole bunch of people died before January 11th. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? The who tells you one guy's dead. Second guy doesn't die on January. He goes, no, 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 no. There's a whole bunch of people dead. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You don't get to just say, I know a guy. You got you to show us some data, bro. Hmm. So, so I got in a whole pissing contest with, with Malone over that, and he insists that there were more people dead than what the Who's telling us because he knows things we don't know. And I, you know, was like, I don't know, bro. The Who was pretty clear. One guy's dead, two guys dead, nine guys dead. You know, to me, we want to know what that Moderna contract was about on January 13th because clearly you know, one guy dead in China probably wasn't for COVID. So did Donald Trump sign an agreement with Moderna for influenza vaccines and not tell anybody? Oh, my God. You want to talk about cover-up? Holy mackerel. That's intense. Well, before I let you out of here, I wrote it down, and I'm going to sit and stew on this for another 10 years, or 10 years, 10 days, 10 hours, whatever, if I don't ask. You said depopulation. I don't worry about that. That's that's over here. You said in the next five years, it's coming anyways. What's coming in five years? April 13th, 2029 is um, the arrival of a POFIS 99942. It is an asteroid a thousand feet, 300 meters across, about the size of the Eiffel Tower. And it is dangerously close um so the the trajectory they're predicting right now has it only 16,000 miles from the surface of the earth uh or 18,000 miles from the surface of the earth and uh, that's inside the satellites so it's scary close if it hits earth it's an extinction level event and we'll go from 8 billion to half a billion in in an instant. April 13th, 2029. You got five years to live or five years to die. Well, isn't that a way to end on a positive note? You got anything positive on your side, John? Well, hopefully it passes us and everybody goes, <laughs> wow, that was close. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the reason I share it with people is because I want people to look into it for themselves and make their own judgments. And it's one of the reasons why the story of the field hospitals is important. The reason the story of the field hospitals is important is because now you know the government's not going to tell you when it's time to die. They're not going to tell you. They're going to do what they've got to do, and you won't be told. And so what that means is in the future, when events like this happen, you won't be told. You'll be told everything's going to be fine. 
stay home, keep your eye on the television, you won't be told. And that's why the field hospital story is so important is because they're going to try and tell you everything's fine in the coming five years. And then three hours before you die, they're going to tell you, yeah, we kind of had it wrong. Don't look up went into production in November of 2020, right after the election was over, and they could focus on that. Laura Ingram already had all this material from me. She and I were talking about it privately on Skype. She knew all this stuff, they, which means if Laura Ingram knows, the CIA knows. So in five years, man, it's coming, and you won't be told the truth. Where can people go to find... Um... The asteroid and everything. Where can I where can I go like browse that? So uh, if you go to my Twitter uh, at you know at i underscore m underscore am underscore John Cullen, uh, and you do a search for that handle, you do a search for my name and Apophis A P O P H I S, you'll see a simulation uh, that was done showing the potential destruction if it were to hit the earth and it's devastating basically it's going to take out a quarter of the earth when it hits so it's it's really bad if it hits if it misses we're as lucky as can be but knowing that for example if i was a newlywed couple thinking of having a baby in two or three years i might hold off and wait and see what happens that so that's just me you know that's why i'm sharing it in other words, if you thought there was a chance that you might die in five years, might you live your life differently if you thought there was a chance that this might happen? And if so, I think giving people that option to make that decision, that's, that's why I'm doing it, is so that you can decide, not the government. Well, I appreciate you coming on, uh, John, and um, well... Obviously, we'll stay in touch, but uh, thanks for doing this and hopping on, and I'll be interested to see what happens on the old text line. It lit up last time. I'm sure it's going to light up uh, this time as well. Um, but uh, all the best here in 2024, and um, yeah, well, I, I don't know what the future holds, um, but I assume at some point our paths will cross again. I'm looking forward to it. I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. I'm really appreciative. Sorry to share such shocking news with you, but again data is data and you know you, i don't want to keep secrets from people so i'm incredibly grateful and happy new year to you and congratulations on your success i'm really proud of you thanks john